0: Talk to my friend, Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Allen. conservative, I look into this guy for wisdom. Well, it hasn't been a very good day or even a week for the Democrats. Uh, I mean, the Democrats are failing on a couple of fronts here. New efforts by their party to make waves before the the midterm elections in November. Um, but before I get to that, this is Drew Allen sitting on the uh, throne of truth here, your arbiter of truth, governor of truth, minister of truth, if you will, a millennial to boot. Uh, before I get to that, you know Biden Biden is claiming or has claimed last week, I believe it was, that he reduced the federal deficit. He said this last week, I quote, all the talk about the deficit from my republican friends. I love it. I've reduced 350 billion in my first year in office and we're on track to reduce it by the end of September by another 1 trillion 500 billion dollars, the largest drop ever. Now this was such a lie, such a well, yeah, I mean, it was just so far removed from from reality that even CNN had to call Biden out on this lie. I kid you not. The pundit there on CNN, I can't remember his name, but he called this. He said Biden's statement there claiming he reduced the federal deficit. Uh, well, it was it was bizarro world, bizarro world indeed. We are living in bizarro world, are we not? Every day? In America, under this administration, is bizarro world. Um, Now, I want to address this because uh, I am uh, the minister of truth, and I analyze everything, and it is not my role as the leftist media and propagandists uh, view their role, which is to lie to you, to craft a narrative. No, no, no. My job is to confront that, to uh, toss that aside, to fight through. Slicing through lies like a warm knife through butter uh, to tell you the truth. I don't tell you what to think. I tell you what I think and I uh, inform you. So look, the deficit did decline in the fiscal year 2021. I mean, that, that that's true, but it's not because of Joe Biden. And and frankly, before I get into that, it was, well, no, let's do this. So the deficit did decline in the fiscal year 2021. It was smaller than under Trump in 2020. But can you guess why? Gee, what changed? The economy opened up. We stopped spending money uh, in the sense that we were just sending out uh, you know, multiple series of stimulus checks. Now, the $2.8 trillion deficit in fiscal year 2021. Now, Biden was in office for just eight months of this, by the way, but it was $360 billion dollars lower than the $3.1 trillion in fiscal year 2020 under Trump. Well, the pandemic spending came down. In 2020, we shut down our economy. We lost tax revenue because people were not allowed to go to work. And so we spent money giving people stimulus checks to survive. So more money was spent and less tax revenue was collected. So of course there was a bigger deficit. And, and, and so Biden's out there. This is kind of like his lie when he says, I've created more jobs than any American president in history. Uh, no, you did not create any more jobs. You, you, you came in and businesses were allowed to open, so employees went back to work. That's not job creation. But that's what these Democrats are doing again, up to no good. So bad again that CNN has to call him out on it. So when you stop printing money and giving out stimulus checks and you open up the economy, of course the deficit is going to improve. Of course it's going to be smaller. But they think we are stupid people, and we're not. They are the stupid people. But anyway, he says this, by the way. He says this just as what? Just as what took place. The House just voted and passed a bill that's going to give $40 billion to Ukraine. That's your tax money, my tax money, our taxes, American taxpayer dollars, 40000000000 billion. They've got no problem. They had to rush it through. They say this is so important that we, we get this money to Ukraine. And if that doesn't make you mad or upset, you you I, look, if that doesn't make you mad, you're part of the problem. You just are. We've got an immigration issue in this country— that the Democrats are responsible for. We are talking millions, millions of illegal aliens pouring through our border right now. And the Democrats said it was unethical, amoral, unnecessary to spend $5 billion to enforce and protect our own border. But they have no problem spending $40 billion to help Ukraine Keep out, uh, keep the Russians at bay. Last time I checked, there weren't millions of Russians invading the Ukrainian border like there are illegals. Our border, the situation at our border is far more dire, far more dangerous. And the only reason people aren't focused on it, aren't saying that, aren't reacting is because of the news. And I want to tell you something I'm going to do something rare, something ultra special. Ultra special for you. I'm going to pull back the car, the curtain like w- The Wizard of Oz. I'm going to tell you, as someone who makes the news directly, someone who is intimately involved in what your eyeballs take in and what you hear on the news, I'm going to pull back the curtain and tell you how the news is made. You don't want to miss this episode. You will be the smartest, most enlightened Americans in this country. You will understand what happens. You will have new knowledge that your friends and family that do not listen to the Drew Allen show will not have about how the news is made, how the sausage is made, so to speak. So anyway, he's he's trying to celebrate how he's cutting the deficit. Uh, even the CBO, of course, in, in addition to CNN, said, you're out of your darn mind. No kidding. But, but he wants to spend $40 billion. And we'll see what happens in the Senate if it's going to pass there. Wouldn't surprise me. So we're going to bolster... Ukraine to defend itself from a Russian invasion, like I said, uh, but the but the Democrat Party and the Biden regime are helping people invade our border. Does anything make sense? This is bizarro world, is it not? We're going to help Ukraine with forty billion dollars of our own money, yours and mine, to help Ukraine defend itself from a Russian invasion, while we are actually using taxpayer dollars, our taxpayer dollars, to help people invade our own border. What? What? And the House, they voted 368 to 57 on this. 368 for this, 57 against it. And $40 billion, by the way. Do you remember the reaction from the left, from Democrats out there? $40, 40 billion is about what Musk paid for Twitter. And they said, oh, think of the things Musk could have done with that $40 billion. It was like $44 billion, something like that. But it's the same. Think of what Musk could have done with that. He could have solved world hunger. He could have created world peace. You know, it was like some beauty pageant out there, the way the Democrats were talking. Yeah, yeah, just spend $44 billion and all of our problems will be solved. Well, we're going to spend $40 billion of our own money helping Ukraine. Where are the calls from these same morons out there saying, well, wouldn't this $40 billion be better spent? We could use this to solve world hunger. Where is it? I just don't have patience anymore. I I certainly don't have respect for these people on the left. I mean, these are not serious people. I mean, they're a joke. They think they're so intelligent, but every time they open their mouths, they make a point that is absolutely asinine, absolutely stupid, reveals them as absolute ignoramuses. Um. So that's not good news, but another bill... Uh... Which is good news for us was uh, failed to go through the Senate. Forty-nine out of fifty Senate Democrats voted to legalize abortion nationwide until birth. That's the dirty secret. That's what they don't want you to know. But Joe Manchin he joined the Republicans to filibuster it to keep that bill from even coming to the floor for a vote. And you know we're being called ultra-maga. Isn't that so? What a dumb lay ultra-maga. But I'll tell you something about this ultra-MAGA thing that the Democrats have decided they're going to try and paint us as, as some kind of uh, damaging label. Well, it's not working anymore. Conservatives are out there saying, calling themselves on Twitter, for example, ultra-MAGA Matt, ultra-MAGA this, I am ultra-MAGA Drew. Yeah, but I am ultra-Make America Great Again. The alternative is ultra-Marxist, ultra-Destroy America. So it's not working, and that's a, a, a notable shift that we can be encouraged by. We're not, you know, I don't know, falling to our knees. We're not wilting under these labels. We're actually just taking them and proudly throwing them back in the left's face, and that's what we have to do. The DeSantis style, fight back. The Trump style even, fight back. Do not wilt at their accusations. Don't give them the higher ground. Just fight back. Let it roll off your shoulder. We're embrace it as we're doing with ultra-MAGA. Yeah, okay, you want to call me ultra-MAGA? Okay, you ultra-communist. Ultra-MAGA prevails. But uh, but this bill, the abortion bill, I forget what they called it, right? They all give it some name, you know, uh, Protect Women's Health Care, something like that. Well, they won't even tell you. The media reporting of it, you know, they won't even tell you what's in it. Now, now the Democrats, what's notable, you know, they do this all the time, right? There's a strategy behind this. So they, they likely knew... Where Manchin stood, they knew this wasn't going to pass, but they wanted to get it get a get a vote on the record to campaign on, going into the midterm election. So right, all the Democrats can say Republicans unanimously opposed women's rights. Right, that's the label, and that's all they needed. But this this while they claim the Republicans are so radical in terms of their abortion views, w- well, what are their abortion views? The Democrats wanted to legalize and federalize abortion laws and make it so that in all 50 states you could get an abortion up until birth. They're the radical lunatics. Most Republican states, by the way, most of them even that are pro-life, they have these heartbeat bans that they want to put into effect, right? So you have to get an abortion before 15 weeks. And I'm going to get into a poll now, a poll now, that the RNC found because, look, this abortion issue I told you last episode or a couple episodes ago, you know, the Democrats were clinging to the CNN poll from January that said that 69 percent of Americans opposed overturning Roe v. Wade. So they were hoping that this would be, you know, that that, that, one, it would it would make their base enthusiastic and that it would it would basically change people's minds. People who are upset about all the other unpopular positions of the Democrats, whether it's whether it's blaming them for inflation, which is true, whether it's blaming them for gas prices, which is true, whether it's being at odds with the Democrats who are supporting critical race theory, the indoctrination of our children to be racists, or the transgender stuff, all of it was unpopular with the majority of the American people. And so they were hoping that this, because it was so popular, as they told themselves that people would forget about all the problems, stop, you know, they would basically just make it a one-issue uh, election, right? Abortion. Well, we're just going to forget everything that the Democrats stand for that we hate. We're going to forget about the pain we're feeling every day with inflation and everything else. We're going to forget about Afghanistan, that debacle. We're going to forget about it all. And we're just going to vote for Democrats anyway over abortion. But a a, a since this is... This poll was conducted, by the way, after after the Supreme Court's opinion, draft opinion that showed they were looking to overturn Roe v. Wade was leaked. So after this poll, after that decision was leaked, only one in five independent voters said that abortion is the main factor for them in deciding which candidate to vote for. That's bad news for the Democrats. That did not move the needle in their favor. One in five. That's not helping them going into midterms. And furthermore, this RNC poll found that only 16% of independent voters said abortion should be allowed at any time during the mother's pregnancy and for any reason. Only 16%. And that's what the Democrats proposed in this bill. And if Republicans are, f- are smart, which let's be honest, most of them are not, they will, they will rail on this. They will talk about what was actually in this bill and not let the media get away with painting the Republicans as some radical extremists who want to prevent women from having access to any abortion. That's not the case. These Democrats were proposing a bill that would allow abortion up until birth. That's psychotic. That's amoral. That's evil. That's sick. Furthermore, what else did this poll find that's not good news for Democrats? Well, while abortion is an important issue for many voters, guess what? It's only the top issue for 9% of voters. So 9% of voters, the polling found. And basically it didn't move the needle at all. It didn't change the number of Democrats who were going to vote Democrat anyway or the number of Republicans who were planning to vote for Republicans. So this issue did not work as planned for them. And, and this is, you know, the Democrats are just so out of touch with the American people. Want these third trimester abortions. And, um, uh, you know, they've just, they're digging a grave for themselves. They are. They are. All right. Now let's get into some other stuff here. I, uh, I am a little bit concerned about some of, of our candidates. That would be Republican candidates going into the midterms. Uh, you know, I told you out of Ohio, J.D. Vance, you know, Trump endorsed him. I said, I think when I first started this podcast, this is, I think, the 90th episode. But I I mean, I don't know. In the very beginning stages when J.D. Vance was coming out, I, I said, I'm not on board with this guy. Now, we'll see what happens, but he's been a rhino in the past and he has attacked Trump even as Trump was, uh, was president and Trump endorsed him. But the biggest concern in my mind is what's happening in Pennsylvania. Now, I talked about this with you last time. I told you not to freak out about the Dr. Oz endorsement by Trump. I said I didn't agree with it. I said it was problematic for me, but that, that, that I didn't know at the time what better candidates there were. And I was suggesting that, look, I can't read Trump's mind. He has a reason for doing things, certainly, that I'm not privy to. Uh, but I said we can't got, get caught up in that one election. It's one election. Sometimes, because we live in an imperfect world, we have to go with a candidate that can win. But things have changed based on polling and recent debates. So I am I was correct. I stand by what I said before, but now I am adding an addendum, if you will. Now, Dr. Oz is not a conservative, certainly. He's running as a Republican. But we we cannot trust this guy as far as we can throw him. Um. Now this is this is this is getting vicious out there. There was a debate, um, what a couple weeks ago, I'll think of the date in a minute. But anyway, Trump came out and endorsed Doctor Oz, Mehmet Oz, uh, sometime in the middle of April. All right, and then at the end of April, we had a debate with the candidates. So Dr. Oz was on stage with other Republicans who were vying for the nomination to run for senator in the midterms. And since then, recent polling indicates that a woman named Kathy Barnett is in a virtual tie with Dr. Oz, and that's who Trump endorsed. It's really a three-way tie at this point, by the way. Uh, Dave McCormick is uh, is the other contender, front runner, if you will. So you've got uh, Dave McCormick, Dr. Oz, and Kathy Barnett. Kathy Barnett happens to be a black female, and she wasn't really getting any attention. I didn't see her name anywhere until the debate, and she lit Dr. Oz up. She had a moment to shine. Um, she showed her medal. she took it to Oz, and it got people's attention, and people started talking about her. And since then, she has surged in the polls to a virtual tie with Dr. Oz. Now, I have an issue right now with the Republican Party. I told you I'm the arbiter of truth. I'm not a special pleader for anyone. I have principles, and I'll call out our own. But there is a concerted effort right now, because Kathy Barnett is rising, surging in the polls... A concerted effort by Trump loyalists and other Republicans, others of us on our side that are trying to destroy Kathy Barnett. Her reputation, I'll give you the perfect example. This one, this one really upset me. On Twitter, big names, Rick Rennell, uh, who was Trump's uh, uh, whoa, d- d- director, acting uh, head of the director of national security I believe it was and a former uh, ambassador to Germany big people big people not just him okay and I'm not picking on these people but I'm gonna make a point maybe I will pick on them I don't know we'll see time will tell but Kathy Barnett these people have tweeted out an old tweet from Kathy Barnett now she she puts a hashtag in the message of BLM, and defund the police. Now, this tweet is attached to a video that she made in which she condemns BLM and says that defunding the police is basically an idiotic, stupid idea. She talks about how BLM is hurting the black community, how defunding the police is going to hurt the black community. So she's actually in the video coming out hard against BLM and against defunding the police. But Republicans are not showing the video. They are retweeting this tweet with a hashtag BLM defund the police, and they're trying to misconstrue her position as being pro-Black Lives Matter and pro-defund the police. These people know what they're doing. Some may not, but many do. And this is a hit job against Kathy Barnett. Now, I have Kathy's number I actually called her today. I tried to. I did leave her a voicemail, and I asked her if she wanted to come on my show to talk about these issues. Now, I'm sure a million people that have access to her phone number are blowing up her phone right now, but I wanted to give her an option to, to address these issues. I'll keep you updated. I don't have guests on this show, but if she gets back to me, and I'll reach out maybe again, I will have her on this show for 10 or 12 minutes to discuss what's going on because I don't like this. I don't like it when Democrats do it to us, and I don't like it when Republicans do it to our own. Now, if you want to attack her on real issues, that's fine. But to lie about her record, lie about things that she has not said, misconstrue things that she did, I'm not going to tolerate it. And so I'm coming to Kathy Barnett's defense. Now, what I think would actually be a brilliant move here is we continue to vet Kathy Barnett. But let's say this, even before we vet her fully, she's definitely a more trustworthy candidate than Dr. Oz. I mean, Dr. Oz is somebody who's come out in favor of red flag laws, uh, which would be, you know, anti-Second Amendment. He's in favor of gun control. He's come out in favor of transgenderism publicly, uh, in favor of abortion. So the point is with Dr. Oz, he, he's his public positions he's held in the past are not just at odds with conservatives, but they're at odds with the Republican Party, and they're not even things that align with what Trump believes. But Trump endorsed him early on for whatever reasons he had. Maybe he just thought he was the best candidate to win. But now Barnett is coming up, an underdog, with not a lot of money, this black woman in Pennsylvania, and she's showing that she could win that she might have what it takes and she showed it on the debate stage certainly and honestly if I was advising Trump not that he's listening to me but the shrewdest move he could make right now is to switch his endorsement switch his endorsement stop the endorsement of Dr. Oz and change it to Kathy Barnett because it's a win-win his endorsed candidate could still win Barnett could still win She would benefit from it and his base, conservatives, would be relieved by the switch. They would would be happy with the show of humility. Happy to see him change when someone else showed themselves to be a better candidate. That's what I would urge Trump to do because, like I said, it's a win-win situation. But the media... Is engaged in a concerted effort right now. Our media, I'm talking about us, our people, a concerted effort to destroy her and keep her down in the polls. That's what's going on. It's a hit job against Kathy Barnett. And I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I look. I'm a Trump supporter, have been, am, but this situation is bothering me bothering me so much. And I don't have all the answers, obviously, but I can tell you from what I know, being involved in the media, that this is a concerted effort against her. Now, I don't know if this just goes to uh, an, 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 an issue of ego. You know, Trump's had success with his candidates that he has endorsed winning. You know, he's kind of coronated these individuals. People are begging him for endorsements because they do mean something. I'm not taking that away from Trump. His endorsements matter. He's still popular. He's still the figurehead and the leader of the Republican Party right now. And that's okay. But these decision, but decisions like this are adding up and they're going to alienate the base. This decision, by the way, to endorse Dr. Oz, do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when Donald Trump was seemed to be hawking the COVID vaccines. Because that was not a popular issue with the conservative base, with many Republicans. And he was out there acting like a salesperson for Pfizer. And he didn't need to do that. And it alienated the base. And like I said, like has been said long ago, Trump said it. I mean, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Rush Limbaugh said it. You know, look, the leftist media, the media has tried to alienate, separate, remove Trump from his, his loyal base... Since he came down the escalator at Trump Tower in 2016, I guess it was, when he announced his candidacy, but they've been unable to succeed. They don't understand the bond, the strength of the bond, because Democrats don't have this kind of bond. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Pelosi, no Democrat right now enjoys or has created the same strong bond between themselves and their voter base as Trump was able to do with the American people, his base. And the only person who can fracture and destroy that connection is Donald Trump himself. And I'm just fearful that we're witnessing a fractured Republican Party right now because this is blowing up. And look, the issue probably should blow up. But Republicans who are supporting Trump are digging in and they're spreading disinformation, lies against Barnett to benefit Dr. Oz. And I don't like it. I have a big problem with it. Um, All right. So I'm going to take a short break here, but when I get back, I'm going to pull back the news. Pull back the curtain on the news for you. I'm going to show you The Wizard of Oz. I'm going to tell you how the news is made. Uh, I'm going to connect this, by the way, to important issues that we need to talk about today. And that is the continued, uh, well, basically, the DOJ is ignoring uh, these uh, federal violations of these protesters outside the SCOTUS justices' homes. Um, And basically, the point I'm going to make to you is that the Democrat reaction and response to the leaked SCOTUS decision to overturn Roe v. Wade is everything that January 6th was not. And that is to say an insurrection. All right, this is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. Now, for those of you listening for the first time to The Drew Allen Show, I am a uh, texan bred California-based, conservative, and millennial author, columnist, political pundit, analyst, and I make the news as the VP of client development at a uh, PR company based out of Washington, D.C. Now, as a Texan, I'm a big fan of barbecue. All things barbecue. You know, the the funny thing for me, when I went to school out here in California, I went to Pepperdine University, I had to laugh because I'll never forget the first time uh, my new friends invited me to uh, a barbecue on campus. I show up, ready to barbecue, got all excited. Where's my brisket? You know, looking for the brisket and the ribs and everything else. Is it a dry rub? Is it a wet rub? What's it going to be? Sausage? And, uh, you know, I got there to uh, hot dogs and hamburgers, and I had to tell my California buddies, hey, uh, I know you grew up here in California, but this is not a barbecue. This is uh, called grilling, actually. Pet peeve of mine, by the way, It's that's called grilling. Barbecue is a different situation. But nonetheless, it brings me to my conversation that I want to have with you that I think is very important for all of us going forward to understand. How is the sausage made? Now, I'll make an analogy here between sausage making and the news. All right. I mean, a sausage, you know, sausage can be very, very delicious. You got andouille, uh, you know, you got Italian sausage, you got uh, bratwurst, you got all these sausages out there. And when you discover how they're made, my wife happens to be a chef, so I have a more intimate knowledge of how the sausage is made, literally speaking as well. She went to culinary school. But, uh, you know, it can be a gross endeavor, you know. You you take the different ingredients, uh, the ground up meat, sometimes there's other things in it. And you you put it inside a casing. Sometimes it's made uh, naturally, uh, you know, from from intestine or something like that. And sometimes they use collagen or things like that. But it can really turn people off, or it can make you very very aware of where your sausage is coming from, what's being used, and so on and so forth. So that's what we're gonna do here with my Wizard of Oz moment, pulling back the curtain on the news. I want to start with a question for you. What what is the news? What is the news? Well, what it's simply a story that gets attention. A story that the media, whether it's newspapers, online, the written medium, decides to cover, or in the visual form, a network or show decides to tell you about. That's the news. That, in a nutshell, is the news. I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for breakfast. That happened. But it isn't news until I tell you about it. And you do this. I do this. We all create news in our own way in our daily lives with our wives, our spouses, our children, our families, our friends, right? What do we choose to talk about? That's the news. And why do you talk about it? There's intention behind all of it, a motive, right? You sit down at dinner with your friends and family. What do you choose to talk about that night and why? That's the news. The things that you leave out you have deemed unimportant to the conversation you prioritize certain conversation points that you want to have for various reasons. And so there's no such thing, I want to tell you, as objective journalism. In the sense, okay? It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that everyone's a liar, but there's no such thing as objective journalism in the sense that look, an individual or a group must decide that that topic should be discussed, shared with the general public with the American citizenry with you and me. Take this show, for example. I decide what's important to talk about. I decide what needs to be discussed and shared with you. I mean, now the difference, of course, between me and CNN and other left-wing propagandists out there is that my agenda is not a left-wing agenda, for one. But secondarily, my objective is not to lie, to spin, to spread disinformation like the left does. My objective is to enlighten. And I tell you, like I said before, what I think, not what you should think. And I try to be honest. My intention is to be truthful, not a liar. There are children being killed in Chicago right now as I speak, murders taking place, black-on-black crime, from gang, gang uh, from gangs especially. It's happening, but it's not news, right? Because no one's talking about it. And the news always has a slant. There's a reason that people talk about certain things. And the reason that the media, journalists, etc., exist, right, that, that, that whole establishment exists, well, the purpose is to share important stories with the masses, to get pertinent information out there. Uh, George Washington, let's use him as the barometer of why it exists. He said in his farewell address, I quote, promote then as an object of primary importance institutions for the general diffusion of knowledge. In proportion as the structure of a government gives force to public opinion, it is essential that public opinion should be enlightened. Now, I look to enlighten, but leftist propagandists look to indoctrinate, to lie, to deceive, to shape your reality in a way that is at odds with what the reality is, all right? It's all narrative-based. Now, things happen in the media. Things happen in the media. Sometimes, a big news item, for example, is introduced to eclipse something that the left doesn't want to be covered, right? It coincides with an event the left doesn't want you to know about. Interestingly enough, I'll give you an example. Most recently, Dinesh D'Souza released his documentary. I think he screened it for the first time. 2,000 mules, which exposed in a way that was undeniable the voter fraud that was carried out in a coordinated, strategic way by the Democrats and the Democratic Party in the 2020 elections. On the same day that that was actually released, guess what else came out? Well, the Supreme Court decision draft overturning Roe v. Wade was leaked. So the media focused on the Supreme Court and abortion, and Dinesh D'Souza's important documentary covering the election fraud that took place was not covered. That's an example. And news is a business. Remember this. You got writers, you got anchors, you got pundits like me whose job is to make news. Publications have to have content, anchors have to have something to talk about, pundits have to have stories to go on these different news shows and address. And that's why, for example, sometimes the media introduces some big story they don't really want to introduce, they don't want to blow up and cover too much, but they have to cover it, they'll do it on a Friday, when people are going into the weekend, when the news is slower, because then it's out, but doesn't get covered Monday through Friday. The news cycle. Now here's how the news works. You've got all these different elements, right? It's a chain of events. A news story breaks, right, in the media. Something you read about that's a big story. Someone decided to put that out there. And then someone like me will see that story and want it addressed on radio shows and TV. So you've got a competition for the narrative out there, right? So the SCOTA story breaks, right? And the left-wing media is rushing to pitch their people on TV and radio to give it their angle, their spin, right? And their job is to create outrage. Their headlines are, you know, the, the Supreme Court is primed to overturn and take away women's rights. They don't want to acknowledge in their story what really happened, which is overturning Roe v. Wade would send the issue back to the states. It doesn't abolish abortion, nor did the media want to cover the fact that this was a significant problem for the Supreme Court. A a system, a branch of government that's supposed to be protected and shielded from public influence, well, that was just violated by the fact that someone in the, in the court, one of the clerks more than likely, leaked the story to the media. It was a hit job, but they didn't, they didn't cover it from that angle. The angle I might want to talk about and have people discuss is, hey, this is dangerous to the Supreme Court, so you've got to battle for narratives. But let's get into a couple of things here. Let's talk about what happened recently with these uh, these protests. They violated federal law, these protesters who went to the Supreme Court justices' homes and the Supreme Court justices were forced into hiding. In fact, the Senate even had to go and pass a bill to give additional security measures to the Supreme Court justices, which proves that the Democrats incited a dangerous situation for the Supreme Court justices, that they had to flee their homes and go into the witness protection program for their own safety. All right. That's what happened with the Democrats, their narrative, their media, the way they st- tried to stir up anger, the way they paid, the way they organized their militant arms, their protest groups, whether it's BLM or the SCOTUS protesters, demonstrators. Well, they organized them and sent them out there to make headlines, to make it look like give them a, a something to, to film, something to talk about, to try and persuade the public that this was so unpopular, so outrageous. That's the narrative. And Barack Obama, you know, within hours of him coming out and telling people to take to the streets, you had violent protests in Los Angeles. All right? But they're not calling this an insurrection, are they? In fact, Jin is still defending it, still saying people should be out there protesting. She will not condemn even the protesters who are violating federal law, who are protesting and threatening the lives of these justices. But how did they respond with January 6th? January 6th, you know, the media knew days ahead of Trump's uh, Save America rally there in the Capitol. They knew that as many as 30,000 Protesters were expected to attend the rally. And we know, of course, all the stuff, right? That it came out, there were investigations. It's been determined that um, those in the Capitol Police, those responsible for bolstering security, they ignored the warnings. Even though they had warnings ahead of this rally that people were planning on perhaps perhaps targeting Congress, they did nothing to bolster security. Trump in his speech It was not a secret either why people were there. They were there to protest the 2020 election. It was covered in the media beforehand, but they weren't warning of an insurrection prior to the January 6th rally, were they? No, that came later. So 30,000 people are there, and Donald Trump tells them to peacefully march down Pennsylvania Avenue, peacefully make their voices be heard. He used the word peacefully. He did not incite an insurrection. But what happened? Well, out of those 30,000 people or more, several hundred uh, became unruly. And we know that the FBI was planted. We know that they tried to create this situation, this visual aid for the Democrats to seize upon and their media. That's true. This was fiction. They were conducting an orchestra here. They were trying to create a situation that they they were already prepared to cover— to damage republicans and trump to prevent this is the this is the irony of what took place the democrats accused republicans and trump of inciting an insurrection of trying to overturn the election and yet this protest that took place the violent aspect of it was counterproductive because what did it do it ensured that no debate happened about the fraud that took place in the 2020 elections it served to benefit the Democrats to ensure that Joe Biden Joe Biden became president of the United States that day that those electoral votes were counted instead of being debated which is a part of the law in America it's it is constitutional and lawful to debate election results all right and so it it served the, the Democrats and what happened? It got unruly. Uh, people broke through the barricades. There was a lack of a police presence given the, the crowd size. They ignored the warnings. There were fights with Capitol Police officers. But what was the most uh, dangerous? Who were the most dangerous people that day? Well, the Democrats would say it was those who walked through the open doors to the Capitol building and took selfies, right? But the most horrific act of violence that actually took place on January 6th was what? It wasn't committed by a protester. It was committed by a Capitol Police officer. I believe his name was Lieutenant Michael Byrd. He's the one who shot and killed an unarmed female protester named Ashley Babbitt. Had her name only been George Floyd, I wonder what Would have ensued well we know Because we had a summer Of riots the summer Of love Throughout 2020 in which BLM protesters Caused roughly approximately Two billion dollars worth of Damage throughout America's cities in Seattle In Minnesota I mean Countless cities across this country Experienced violence cars Buildings lit on fire burning, looting. More than a dozen people were killed or injured in those riots. And while those riots were taking place, those violent protests, they weren't called insurrectionists. In fact, even while these violent protests were taking place against the death of George Floyd, Barack Obama was out there encouraging people to continue to protest. He was not condemned He was not accused of inciting violence. That's the power of the media narrative. Now, January 6th was an ugly scene, but it was not an insurrection. And yet every left-wing media outlet out there called it an insurrection. They repeated the same talking points. Biden called it an insurrection. The most dangerous threat to our democracy since the Civil War was the claim. That wasn't true. And they tried to blame Trump for inciting it, despite the fact that he was obviously not responsible. He told them to be peaceful. And the media knew that these protests were taking place beforehand. But the narrative is all that mattered. You see, the the media's role, especially on the left, is not to report the news. It's to craft narratives, to craft fiction. They're like Hollywood screenwriters rewriting reality as it takes place. A violent insurrection at the Capitol. And they impeached Donald Trump for inciting an insurrection. He was acquitted. And then they established the phony January 6th committee to do what? To try their best still to accuse him of inciting that insurrection. They got text messages so on and so forth, which so far, have been unsuccessful in proving anything because it didn't happen. Trump-Russia collusion, same thing. How does that work? How does that work, right? The media... Look, the Democrat Party and the DNC, the Hillary Clinton campaign, they fed a narrative to the New York Times and other media outlets. They planned this ahead of time. It was a hit job, right? It was a hoax. So they feed the information to news outlets. The news outlets print the story. And then the media takes the news that's reported and blows it up. Talks about it nonstop on CNN and everything else. Then they bring in the pundits to talk about it and make it seem real. To blow up the issue. To light it all on fire. That's what they do. It didn't matter that Trump-Russia collusion was never real, wasn't truthful. The media tried to make it seem so, promising that they were going to get Trump on it. And we had the Mueller investigation. They continued to, to claim that this was going to result in, you know, some kind of criminal offense, some kind of impeachment. And it didn't. The Mueller investigation concluded what we knew already, that the CIA had already determined that there was no Trump-Russia collusion. But this is how the media operates. You know, the Democrat Party, I got to say, is the greatest sponsor of domestic terrorism in the United States. The biggest sponsor of domestic terrorism in America is the Democratic Party. And the media covers for them and tries to change the story. Democrats incited the BLM riots. They justified them. They defended them. You had the cryons on the CNN screen. Do you remember when the fellow was sitting there? I think this might have been in uh, in Wisconsin, in Kenosha maybe. But he's sitting there in front of a burning... An orange blaze behind him. And the cryon on the screen read what? Mostly peaceful protests. Mostly peaceful. While the world is on fire behind him. They're not trying to tell you the truth. They're trying to convince you that what you're seeing with your own eyes is not real. They're trying to rewrite the narrative. The same thing happened. What was his name like? Ali Vaneshi, Valeshi, that guy on MSNBC, same thing trying to say that he was standing in front of a burning building or burning cars or something like that, saying, well, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, these are very, very peaceful uh, protests. Anything they can do to rewrite the story. And January 6th, they did that. They They got what they needed. They got the images, which, as I said, nobody thinks was great what happened on January 6th, but it was not an insurrection. And look, they took people... Who were in the Capitol building taking selfies, unarmed, and their only crime was uh, trespassing, and they put them in the D.C. gulags without bail. Tried to put them in prison, get prison sentences for these people for, you know, 20, 30 years. One guy committed suicide because the DOJ was coming at him more and more. They kept postponing his hearing. They kept trying to add additional charges and increase his time in prison. And he committed suicide over it. And the guy's only crime was walking into the Capitol building and taking a selfie. He was in there 10 minutes. The DOJ, to my knowledge, is not investigating or arresting these people violating federal law who are protesting outside the Supreme Court justices' homes. I mean, where is the media calling Obama You know, an insurrectionist, accusing him of inciting an insurrection, accusing Joe Biden, the Democrat Party, of inciting this insurrection. They're threatening Supreme Court justices who are in hiding to try and influence a decision from the Supreme Court. Now, imagine if you and I, as I've said before, let's just change it to Sotomayor. Let's say you and I went to Sotomayor's house. Let's say we published her address. Let's say we had a, uh, had a um, you know, Scalia sent us group. Remember I said before, this group that published the addresses of the Supreme Court justices who organized these protests outside the Supreme Court justices' homes. They call themselves Ruth sent us. So let's say we have Scalia sent us. And we go and we picket and we protest and Sotomayor has to go into hiding. What would the media be saying about us? What would the reporting be? What would the wall-to-wall coverage be? What would the political pundits on the left be saying? They would be condemning, they would be demanding that Trump came out and condemned it, that he called for for uh, obedience, for peace, for a stop to this violation. The DOJ would be involved. They would be making arrests right now and putting us in jail for it, but the Democrats aren't doing any of this. And that's the thing. That's how... The sausage is made. People write headlines, determine what they want you focused on, and then pundits fill in on the radio airwaves and the TV shows to comment on the issues, but they're fed what the opinion and the slant's going to be ahead of time. Nothing you see is real. When you're watching the news, I don't care what it is, always be skeptical. Now, I want to address something else from a different perspective because there's a lot of anger out there from our side about Dinesh D'Souza. Not about Dinesh, but Dinesh is upset. He was supposed to be on Newsmax, I guess, uh, sometime this week or last week to talk about his movie, and he said he got canceled and bumped. Look, I, I think that there could be a coordinated effort here. I think that perhaps these stations don't want to talk, to, talk about the 2020 fraud because they may be calculating that that's not a winning issue going into the midterms. They might see that as something that would harm their chances. They're saying, look, we got a good thing going. We're going to run a rough shot over the Democrats. We don't want to feed the left, you know, something that's going to incite their base to go out and vote and harm Republicans' chances in the midterms. That's possible. Look, I want it out there as much as you do. But one way you can influence the news, I'll give an example. Carrie Lake, I believe it is, right? Is she running Where's where's Carrie Lake? Oh man, I'm my brains fried. You guys are you guys are thinking Carrie Lake, Arizona is what I wanted to say. Arizona governor, right? Um Yeah. Yeah, so Carrie Lake she is running for a governor of Arizona. That's right. Perfect. She went on Newsmax and they weren't supposed to talk about Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 mules about the fraud, and she just inserted it, injected it in the conversation, and forced it to be talked about. That's one way to do it if you're that big, if you have that voice, if you're that in demand. But, you know, I got to tell you, you know, the media, the media is constantly moving on to the next story. It's just how the sausage is made um, it's gotta be relevant, I, I, I'll give you an example, you know, I was pitching a guy trying to get somebody on Newsmax, no, no, sorry, on a local station in Dallas, so Fox, the Fox Morning Show, whatever it's called in Dallas, I was pitching him on there, uh, to talk about, uh, well, uh, the wokeness in the workplace, he's got a company out there that's actually, um, kind of a free speech site, so if you're a company, that is sick of people like Disney creating a hostile work environment towards you know conservative voices, well, this guy's created a new job site where companies and, empl- and potential employees can come that celebrate free speech. They just want to work. They want to take wokeness out of the workplace. And I couldn't get him on Fox because the, the narrative had changed. It was a hot subject a few days before, and then the media moved on, so they didn't want to have him on to talk about it. But he's going on Newsmax. I got him on Newsmax this Friday to talk about something else because it's still relevant. But these things happen. Look, I have been I have been uh, in the bullpen, so to speak. I've been warming up to go in on, let's say, Shannon Bream's show before, all right? Let's just call it Shannon Bream's show. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. It's true. So, I, you know, I've, I've been called, I've been put on deck, said, hey, you're, you're going to go on Shannon Bream, but, you know, things change. And then I didn't go on Shannon Bream's show because the news changes, the subject matter changes, the producers change their minds, and it doesn't happen. It's a big beast out there, okay? And, you know, there's a lot of things happening out there, and I think a lot of people feel like, well, what are we going to do about 2020 right now? It's already, I'm not saying this is my opinion, okay? I'm just telling you how these people think. But they're saying 2020 is in the past. It's in the rearview mirror. There's other things to talk about. We got to talk about Russia Ukraine. We gotta talk about, you know, immigration, illegal immigration. We gotta talk about this and that. And so it's the same thing that happens to me on this program. I've got a stack of of stories I want to talk about. I might have 20 stories. And I know I'm not gonna get to all 20. I start talking, I maybe talk long about something. Maybe while I'm on this show, I look at my phone and some story breaks. And it's more important than the previous story I was going to talk about, so it gets pushed to the next day. Maybe the next day I never get to the story, and and so that's why that's why this kind of thing happens. But uh, but I hope that's kind of insightful there about the media. I'm going to take one more short break. I'll be back and we're going to close out. And we're back to close out another five minutes or so here. So so here's a perfect example that I wanted to talk about. It shows you how despicable the media is, how they seek to craft fiction. They ignore things that are not favor- favorable to their narratives, and they invent things uh, that create the narratives that they want to be out there. So we are just talking about J6, January 6th. Donald Trump, how they accuse- accused him and continue to accuse him of inciting an insurrection, even though there's zero evidence of it. It didn't happen. Well, you have Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Did you hear this story yet? On Monday, she encouraged violence. She sent out a tweet in response to the Roe v. Wade pending forthcoming decision, overturning it. And she, re- she tweeted out, to my friends in the LGBTQ plus community. She forgot the IA. Ooh, Very discriminatory, Lori. Anyway, to my friends in the Alphabet community, she says, the Supreme Court is coming for us Next, this moment has to be a call to arms. We will not surrender our rights without a fight, a fight to victory. Now, imagine if Trump had said this moment has to be a call to arms. A call to arms is an indisputable historical call to violence. Arms, not the two things hanging at our sides, Arms, You know, those things that the Democrats want to make illegal, you know, the right to bear arms, the Second Amendment right that they say we don't have that's about hunting. The founding fathers could have never envisioned, you know, different weapons out there. She says this moment has to be a call to arms. So they understand Lori Lightfoot, who's got a crime through the roof, black kids dying left and right under her watch. Well, she's an anti-Second Amendment person, so obviously she can read the Second Amendment, and she doesn't believe that we have a right to bear arms, so she knows what the word arms means. It means guns, weapons. Well, she says this moment has to be a call to arms. Now, you will not find the media, the leftist media, even talking about Lori Lightfoot. Go ahead and Google it. You won't see a single search result that shows... A left-wing outlet, CNN, MSNBC, condemning this. Now she tweeted this out after a weekend of attacks on churches and pro-life centers. Remember, a Molotov cocktail was thrown through a window of a pro-life center. Uh, it was the the, the building uh, caught fire, and on the wall they wrote something about you know if you know you're not going to be safe if a, if our right to abortion is not safe, something like that. It was violence. It was a threat. You had coordinated mobs of Democrat activists like we talked about, descending on the homes of conservative justices. They had to increase protection for Supreme Court justices. And even after all this has already happened, Lori Lightfoot is making up something that we're coming for the alphabet community, which is an outright lie. And she is demanding that people rise up violently. That is a call to insurrection. That's what I'm saying. Everything the Democrats accused January 6th, said it was, is true about this situation now. The Democrats, again, I repeat, never forget this, the Democratic Party is the greatest sponsor of domestic terrorism in the United States of America, and they always have been. The Weather Underground, Bill Ayers bombing, uh, you know, the Senate, the Capitol bombing, uh, the Pentagon, doing all these sorts of things violence and they get off the hook every single time. And yes, I did see the the story about uh what's his face uh Lindsey Graham. Yeah, I know. I you know th- this is what I mean about su- subjectivity. You, my audience and I, we know who Lindsey Graham is. We know he's a swamp creature. We know he's a swamp rat. We know he's a rhino. We know he's not trustworthy. We know that every time he goes on Sean Hannity's show, we want to throw a pin at Sean Chan, uh, at Sean Hannity, and tell him to stop having him on. No, I'm not calling for. Uh, this is not a call to arms against Sean Hannity. I repeat. But you know, yeah, Lindsey Graham out there, totally. He'll be maybe the best person to have, right? I mean, how mad? Well, no, he said, totally. He'll be maybe the best person to have, right? I mean, how mad can you get at Joe Biden? Yeah, so you know that was that was Lindsey Graham. You know, amidst the January 6th stuff And he, he was talking to Jonathan Martin Who's got a book coming out He's a he's a big leftist And, you know, Jonathan Martin asked him In this phone call That we have the audio of now You know, well, Biden's going to help Basically unify the nation, right? And, and and Lindsey Graham says, yeah How mad can you get at Joe Biden? This is damning stuff But it's not a surprise Surprise uh, to us at all We know who Lindsey Graham is But here you go, the left Chicago mayor Lori Lightfoot. Where are the demands for her cell phone text conversations? Where are the demands from the left and the media out there for her to come out and demand that people stop protesting? That's not happening. But that's what they asked Trump. That's what they asked Trump, right? They wanted him to come out. They acted like he could stop everything because he was responsible for everything. They demanded, you know, more and more from him. It was never enough. He came out and he said to stop. He said to be peaceful, he said to respect, you know, the Capitol Police. But it doesn't matter what he does, it's never enough, because they've already got their mindset on the narrative that he incited it, so they'll never let up. The media in this country is useless, they're worthless, they're uh, worse than reprobates. They're not trustworthy, but I am, I am your, you know, what do I call myself that's going to stand the test of time here? Minister of Truth, Drew Allen. All right. Well, I'll keep you updated about uh, the situation with a candidate in uh, Virginia there, Barnett. Uh, If I hear back from her, I want to give her an opportunity to speak on the issue. Um, If I can get her, you'll hear from her and I'll let you know. This is Drew Allen. God bless you all. And until next time.